The great music enthusiast Friedrich Nietzsche once said that without music, life would be a mistake. Well, I'd like to take that one step further and proclaim that without women, music would be a mistake and the world. How do you feel about that, Fred? I'm Rachel Pazden, music director at Le Poisson Rouge and founder of The Hum, a concert series that features first-time collaborations from today's leading female musicians. And tonight, in the wake of International Women's Day, I'm honored to welcome into the B-Side studio a Hum alum and America slash Canada sweetheart, the ridiculously talented and dynamic Hannah Epperson. Her life journey started in Utah and has taken her through Scandinavia, Spain, and Canada, but we are fortunate that she now calls Kings County her home. Stay tuned for an hour of girl power tonight on this side. Show. That was you. beautiful. So, what was that song called? The song was called Cat's Cradle, uh, based on the old child string game. Oh. Yeah, back back in the good old day before children had the the smartphones. 
will never happen again. <laughs> uh, when did you start playing music? Speaking of childhood and children and before smartphones, I started playing violin when I was six, like, mm. about like knee high to a grasshopper. Um, How did I, that happen? Were you drawn to the instrument, or did your parents <clears> play it in front of you? I think I I had sort of fixated on like HMS Pinafore, the musical. Mm. which we had on vinyl okay. um, and I wanted to like be part of that realm so badly when I was a kid and I also had three big brothers who all played instruments so ah. I wanted to like be able to converse in that realm with them okay yeah so the big the big sibling thing really helps like put the fire under your ass when you wanna and they played violin I had a brother who played clarinet a brother who played cello and a brother who played piano so. oh, okay so it was just like a mini version. Right in there. It was like the mini version of the cello. It seemed much more manageable for my six-year-old self. Right. Mm -hmm. And when did singing start? Um, I still don't really feel like a singer. Mm. Um, there's a lot of humming and whistling that's always been part of the repertoire, mm -hmm. the expressive repertoire. Mm -hmm. um, I'm still working it out, though, the, yeah. the singer thing. I think of you as a singer. I mean, I think about violin it. first. I'll take but... it and put that in a soft pocket oh, somewhere. Yeah, put that in your back pocket. <laughs> and did you do you play anything else or violin it? I think if I had like space to have other instruments in my life, I'm doing. I'm kind of doing the vagabond thing. I don't mm. I think like my my life is like in a bag. Mm -hmm. If I had more space, I think I'd play other instruments. But I've got something you can grab and go, like, like a, a penny whistle, <laughs> like a penny whistle. <laughs> I should just have like a small <laughs> repertoire of penny whistles in my back pocket. At all times. Yeah, yeah I think you should. Like you think I can play the violin, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> just don't, just do, forgive me. Do you feel like your time in Utah kind of informed your, you know, the music you make or, you know, being in your parents' home and like you were talking about that record that was playing all the time, like how did that inform your, your growth into a musician? I think space I think the contours and dimensions of space always affect the way that we find ways to express ourselves, whether it's with, with word, like poetry or, or music or cooking. You know, there's mm -hmm. like palettes, like color, like colors that affect you, the way that sound bounces off of certain surfaces. These things are, I mean, it's really hard to, to quantify um, and trace those lines of connection. But yeah, for sure, growing up in Utah in the desert, um, being exposed to like old cowboy Appala Appalachian music, mm -hmm. I think effect has affected the the way that I interweave storytelling um, and the outdoors into the the way that I understand and render musical landscapes. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's connections. Hard to trace them. Right, but, but they're there. Mm -hmm. They're rooted. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
Upsweep. Upsweep is a record that I just wrote, the first record that I released last September. Mm-hmm. And it's split into two sides um, that are both characterized by um, two sort of polar orders of the universe. Um, one of them I named Amelia and one of them I named Iris. Um, and I guess the backstory for Upsweep was it keeps shifting. I don't know if you guys have that experience where like when you look at things backwards, a story, like in retrospect, the story changes. There's this sort of like element of entropy where you're like, you think you leave all of these sand granules over here and then the winds reshape the way that everything is situated. So yeah. the way that I the way that I would describe Upsweep now um, was that I wrote a screenplay about Iris and Amelia because I needed to sort some shit out in my life. And then I wrote and organized this uh, set of 10 songs um, as a way to sort of like find full the full expression of a, a, a process or a series of very difficult processes I was going through. Um, half the record is really produced. I worked with a, a very good friend and producer in LA and the other half is really raw and broken um, and features kind of more uh, what you're seeing tonight. Mm, mm. So, where do the names Amelia and Iris come from? Um, Iris, I just think is a. I, I think Iris is a very interesting word. It's like the name of my grandmother. Um, I I, on my dad's say. say. I think of a grandmother. Totally. It's your grandma's name? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, I never met her. Um, I just like that the the play of that being you know related to vision too. Um, mm-hmm. And Amelia is just the name of like every hot girl that's come into my life <laughs> since I was in like second grade and has made me like question my worth. <laughs> Especially Amelia Earhart. Especially I mean, Amelia bad Earhart. Mofo. Bad mofo. Yeah, Amelia Bedelia. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Run for my money. Bedelia. Well, what were you saying before about how the story can change, like the, the farther away you get from it? I think it's just when you keep zooming out, when you see things in retrospect, you realize other pieces that were at play that you didn't see when your face was like pushed up against the painting, you know? Well, and hopefully like, hopefully your frames of reference are always shifting. If you're trying Mm. to educate yourself, it's an unending process. And so when you look at things in retrospect, I think the the vision will always be different, Mm. Um, especially when you're talking about creative process. I want to talk about the boat. Want to talk about touring on a sailboat? <laughs> oh no! Is that a no-no? We can. I'll just I will say one word. Sum it's it up, a hyphenated sum word. Sum it up in a haiku. I'm gonna sum it up in a, in a hyphenated word. <laughs> okay. Slither pit. Slither pit. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Doesn't sound good. <laughs> I did a, I did a tour in a in a sailboat for about a month. Mm-hmm. In the in the uh, Pacific Northwest in the Gulf Islands. And we played at a lot of permaculture farms. In theory, it was a really great love the project. But um, maybe if you were in the Bahamas, I think it's just it's more like you got to pick the people you're sailing around with, really like with a very discerning mind. Totally, a lot of elements out there. If you could pick, if you could do another tour in a sailboat, and you got to pick three people to be in the sailboat with you, who would you pick? Um, you. Oh, cool. Thanks. 
You're just Amelia Bedelia. And, uh, Anybody. Can, I ask, can I think about that while I play my next song? Yeah. See who, like, pops up into your head. Yeah. talk about this. Let's talk about the the actual violin. How long have you had that violin for? I got this violin. Um, a friend of my parents was a luthier back in Salt Lake City and he gave this violin to my parents when I was about eight years old. Mm. These instruments are, tend to not be very affordable. Yeah, how much a is a brand new violin? Well, it's it's just actually you don't really want a brand new violin. You want like an old violin mm. that's just had a lot of like shock waves uh, seared into its woody fiber. Um, you know, like a lot of the a lot of the really really nice instruments, wooden instruments, um, are hundreds of years old. How old's that one? I have no idea. There's a fake label inside of it. There are actually fake age lines drawn onto the face of this instrument. Weird. But, but it's my it's my buddy and we've been through uh we've been through some times. Wow. Yeah. So you've had that since you were eight. Mm -hmm. I didn't start playing I I really like hadn't matured like my finger length um until I was like twelve. Mm -hmm. I think that's when I maybe like officially moved to the full size violin. Prime finger length. We've been we've been together for a long time. Do you have any other violins? Or that's no. it? That's it? That's the only violin yeah. you've had since you were eight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it broken ever? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's well, actually, like the it's actually, story. it actually just, something just broke between the last time we talked and now. <laughs> <laughs> like 10 minutes ago? Mm -hmm. oh, it's fine. It's part of our relationship. 
It's just like a real human relationship. It's it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's hard and shit breaks and you just um, you just sort of like move around it. Try to fix it. And get to the end of the song so that you can play another one. That was mm. a premature segue. That's a segue into. <laughs> I want to keep talking about violins. This is interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't I, know that. I mean, I I broke. I literally smashed this violin. I think I was 16 years old. It was the first time I was playing in a band, um, and I was there was like a jam space. Like we were in a big like 15 person jam in this huge warehouse, and there were some other people playing hacky sack. And I was in socks, and when I see moving objects, I run towards them. It's like the, the athletic, the weird, like, athletic side of my reality. Mm -hmm. And I ran over there with my violin in hand, and I, I slipped. No, uh. banana, no, no, no banana peels or anything. I slipped, and I fell on top of my violin. But I mean, like, it's intact. It makes sounds. Yeah. I think we're all right. I think it's better to run while you're playing frisbee Segway. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, for those of you that don't know, Hannah is a competitive frisbee player. I don't know. Little side note about her. <laughs> so, how did you get into frisbee and your uh, love of running towards moving things? <laughs> <laughs> well, it started with that. Yeah. Um, there's this amazing uh, clothing optional beach that's just like attached to the college that I went to in Vancouver. Mm. Um, this huge, it's called Wreck Beach, this massive expanse of sand and there, I remember spending a summer down there and there's just all of these old naked dudes just throwing three sheets to the wind, just like chucking frisbees chucking some um, frizz. in some wild winds and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> that inspired you. Yeah, that's old naked dudes throwing frisbees, you were like, that's for me. You never know, you never know where inspiration will strike. That's why it's good to get out of bed and leave the house once in a while. Do you do you play still? Are you like active right now, or do you kind of shut down for the winter? Definitely shut down mm -hmm. for the winter. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to be competing with Team Canada at Canada the, the World Champion, the World Championships in France. Woo! In so you started playing in college. Mm -hmm. So that's like your alter ego as a frisbee champion. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go so far. Possible champion, we don't know yet. Possible champion. Could be.
that's about all the time we've got for tonight's B-Side. I hope you enjoyed every second of uh, our time with the magical unicorn that is Hannah Epperson. Uh, head to her website at www.hannahepperson.ca to hear more about, her more about her songs and her sounds and to hopefully buy some of her music. Um, I'm Rachel Pasden, and I hope to see you at The Hum, which is coming up uh, in May at Good Room in La Poisson Rouge in the West Village. Um, and that's it. Uh, just wanted to remind everybody that the future is female, and good night, Brooklyn. The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Cole, Roe Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Kyrell Palmer. For more information about B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, check out brickartsmedia.org slash radio.